Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-Game. All right, we have Nathan Bid from Hometown Fixer Upper and uh, Mafioso Real Estate Group. Young, the Wolf of Youngstown, Ohio, is what I just <laughs> his, his going name is. So, a uh, real estate buddy of mine, we met in uh, Cleveland, right? We uh, hung out yep. at the Hall of Fame, the Brown Store with Tim Bratz, and I uh, just hung out for a couple of days. And I've been watching a lot of the stuff you've been doing ever since then. Um, we're in a, a lot of the same groups, same um, same clicks, same circles, and stuff. Know a lot of the same people. Uh, yep. So. Me and Nate just got along pretty well, and again, we're all landlocked right now. We jump on to an interview and catch up. So, Nathan Bidham, let's do a quick introduction on yourself, uh, who you are, where you come from, and then we'll uh, we'll kind of jump into it. Yeah, for sure, man. Thanks for the intro, man. I'm I'm, I'm kind of loving that whole Wolf the Youngstown name because uh, I hang out with a lot of dudes from Cleveland, and I'm like the only guy from Youngstown that shows up to these events because it seems like everybody in my market's kind of asleep at the wheel and I'm the only one that's getting out there and do it, you know, trying to meet everybody else in the real estate world. So I'm just the guy up in Northeast Ohio. So I love it anyway, man. Um, so yeah, I actually moved up. My wife is from Youngstown. Um, I moved here from San Diego, California, like six years ago. I was in Los Angeles and Hollywood for a little while before that. But, um, yeah, we were only supposed to be here for like a month, but I saw an empty house and started asking a lot of questions and uh you know six years later you know we've 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 done a lot here so i guess i guess the the elevator pitch for for my story is um literally saw an empty house in youngstown didn't understand why it was empty didn't understand why anybody wanted it i grew up in a place where you don't see empty houses or maybe i just didn't notice them and so i just started self-educating i think my first year i must have read like 50 70 books or something on real estate and just started learning you know, via bigger pockets, like a lot of other people, you know, learn where to learn, you know, it's kind of where I jokingly say I got my associates in real estate. And um, I used to just listen to the podcast and I would just, uh, I would learn what I wanted to learn more about. And so, um, yeah, I, uh, I just started like driving around for dollars and I met a dude around here that was flipping houses. He was in the organization of Fortune Builders. And so we started flipping some houses. I was, I was running a, a cell phone business at the time to where I actually bought and resold cell phones to China. And so we would just, uh, like, my, my, dude, my buddy became a ridiculous, you know, filthy rich millionaire because he took this little small hustle that we had and he created a worldwide pipeline for used cell phones from the United States. And uh, dude just built a brand new house at the top of the Hollywood Hills, Rolls Royce Bentley, you know, all that stuff. So just happens to be my best friend. Um, but anyway, so yeah, cash for phones was my marketing thing. So that became cash for houses. And so that was the value that I was able to provide, uh, you know, this new guy, I, I knew nothing about construction. You know, my last business, my last thing was screwdrivers that are, you know, four inches tall and opening up cell phone screens and fixing things and stuff like that. And so I worked with him for a while, you know, I saw a different opportunity with the, with the low value real estate up here in the Rust Belt, you know, region. And so we ended up building a property management company and we sold turnkey rentals for like three years. And uh, I learned a lot in that space. And I learned, um, number one, the biggest takeaway from that business was do not get into property management. It's a crap business. It's soul sucking and there's no money in it. So that's the first thing you should hear after I say that. Um, and so, yes, yeah, so we built the property management company and I ran that for a while until I just got tired of it. I threw up my hands and I told my partners, I was like, listen, guys, either either we are selling this company or we're shutting it down because I quit. Um, and the reason I said that is because I had gone to a mastermind. This, this was before, you know, Tim was in doing the commercial empire. And so I saw him on Facebook. He was putting some stuff out there about he was doing a mastermind. I had, I had seen he was doing some, you know, some decent size, 20, 50 unit, maybe a little bit bigger apartment deals up in Cleveland. And I had been following him for a minute. Um, and then he said he was putting a mastermind together. And I think I've been following him on Facebook for about a year. And so I go, you know, to his office up in Cleveland. And this is one of my first times going to Cleveland to getting into these networking groups. And um, we go to his cool, you know, like classic old office on the Detroit shoreway. It's like this old mansion. And I'm in there with like, uh, it was, there was 12 of us plus 10. There was like 11 other business owners, including myself, or, uh, 
past myself and Tim. And so we get up there for like, you know, 20 minutes. We talk about our business and I tell him about the property management company. I tell him my woes. I tell him my salary, which was a joke. And I talk about the money that we were making. And he just looked like, I remember it clear as day. He just looks at me and he goes, man, like you seem like a smart dude. You need to quit. You need to quit your own company. And I was like, it's this fucking, I was like, this guy, what, like, what's he talking about? I was like, I, I spent three years building this company. You know, it's, I've got my blood, sweat and tears in it. And he's just like, look, man, you got a bad partnership ship structure. He's like, you're not making any money. It's tearing your marriage apart. You've already told me everything that, that, you know, that you need, that you needed to hear. So you already know this. Well, I mean, are you waiting for somebody to tell you? And that's, that's all I needed to hear, man. And so he, he was like, I just took, I just took that and I went back home and I set up that conversation that I just told you with my partners. I got them on the phone. And I was like, look, guys, I quit. I'm done. Uh, we're selling it. And so anyway, one of the other partners stepped in to run it. And after that, like I brought my wife just a few months later, I brought my wife into the business full time. And uh, we started the whole hometown fixer upper thing. And so this, this is where we're at now. So this is, this is about three years into the story. I think I forgot that we were doing an elevator pitch. So maybe we'll just call this the Empire <laughs> State. We'll just call this the Empire State Elevator. Nice, man. Um, we'll, we'll hit it all. So, yeah. So, so now we're hometown fixer upper. And so we play, you know, like we have this whole cartoon caricature. So it's the wife and I on, you know, just playing real hard the HGTV husband and wife, you know, card. And, you know, we've, we've, we've got a couple of like, you know, staple flips that we've done that we really use for marketing and people know us for, but really, really our, our biggest, you know, strongest ability is just buying real estate at a discount and then reselling. And so we just help motivated sellers, you know, kind of, I, I hate, to, I, I hate to say it this way because it doesn't really, it doesn't sound that great, but under the guise of like, you know, the HGTV flippers. And so that's kind of, that's kind of where we're at, man. So me and her have been full-time for two years and we're just steadily, actually not steadily, rapidly scaling the business this year after some key relationships that, that were made this year. So that's my, that's my empire story elevator pitch. That's awesome, man. You hit about 30 different things in there that I want to go off on. <laughs> uh, one of the biggest things is I remember there are a couple of things definitely stuck out when I first talked to you. Um, one of them is you're absolutely right. Your business card with the character of you and your wife is instantly unforgettable. Like I remember it as soon as you said it, every time I started seeing you, I was like, oh, that's the dude who's the cartoon with this chick. So that, everybody that does that. Good branding, man. That's good branding right there. But the other thing you said that uh, I think it was me and Corey Kendig were at the lunch table the first day with you in Cleveland. And I was like, where are you from? And you were like, well, I'm from San Diego, but now I live in Youngstown. We're all like, what the fuck? Like, why would you ever do that? So I think about it sometimes, and I hear it a lot in, in like a lot of my friends in New York when they're talking about real estate, and everybody has this pipe dream of like, man, property is so cheap in these other places. Maybe one day I'll just move out of New York and I'll go live in there like a millionaire or something like that. And a lot of people talk about it, but not a lot of people do it. And at least on the New York side, my buddies can justify it because they're like, it's cold here eight months out of the year, but you were in paradise and you left paradise. So that might not, maybe it was, I don't know, but I'd like to hear the story about how did you sell that to your wife? Was real estate the thing that made you go over there? What was the transition like? Cause that's, that's a major life and business step that obviously paid off for you very well for what you're doing now. I need to make something really clear, like right now, like a lot of people are probably going to think, you know, like the millions of people that are going to listen to this podcast, right? Like they are, they, <laughs> they are going to think like, oh, this guy's probably a smart guy. He's got his shit together. Like I am just an idiot that has failed forward a thousand times. Okay. First off, um, the plan was when we left San Diego. So I actually kind of got run out of town by the Tijuana cartel. Uh, <laughs> so the short story on that is no, no, no. we don't go short on that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, all right. So the story on that is cell phones. Okay. So I ran my business off Craigslist. I've been a Craigslist hustler for years. I still like on my computer over here, I still have my virtual assistant posting stuff on Craigslist right now because that's just how a lot of stuff moves in my market. Now, when we were doing the cell phone game, we were buying just iPhones. And so like we were buying anywhere from let's say 20 to $40,000 in iPhones a week. And we were just shipping boxes of, uh, of cell phones to Shenzhen, China. 
They would, they would go through my buddy's hub in Los Angeles and then go straight to Shenzhen, China. And we were making stacks of cash. Like I, I could go, I could go meet somebody off Craigslist and in 15 minutes make $90 by buying an iPhone for $110 that I'm going to resell for $200 because I have a price sheet that I'm working off of. It was a very, very simple business. And we were just making tons of money off broken phones because they were paying so much money for them in China. And we had that pipeline. My buddy had like the strongest partnership that you can imagine when it comes to like race. He had a Chinese Jewish partner. I, I mean, I, I, I just don't think you can beat that when it comes to business. And so he had these connections in Shenzhen. So that's how we made this. And so anyway, the joke was like back in the day when we were doing this kind of small time, you know, like small time was, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars, I think, you know, of cell phones at a time, you know, flying from California to Washington, D.C., to, to meet a guy to go buy a suitcase full of iPhones. This is like the movie Blow with Johnny Depp and, and, and his crew. I mean, like, you know, my buddies and like the, uh, this network of people are flying around the country with suitcases full of iPhones, like it's friggin' cocaine. And like back in the day when this business was super, super hot, like literally a suitcase full of iPhones was worth more than a suitcase full of cocaine. That, that was like, that was the joke. And so that uh, was so lucrative that the people who were in the cocaine business got word of this, AKA the Tijuana cartel. And so they started like making these computer labs in Tijuana of these people who were just using revolving IP addresses. And like, I always had this picture in my head. I never heard about it, but I always had this picture in my head that they're in some small little sweatshop with all these like, you know, box computers and they're just spam posting on Craigslist because they were posting on Craigslist like 2000 times a day like that, that we buy iPhones and they drowned out all the small guys like me. But the thing was, I had the best prices in like the United States because I was one of the few people at this time that had that direct link to Shenzhen. And so we, we, we were just at the front of this wave, just riding it. And, you know, we, we made like, you know, multiple six figures in cash that year. And I was just a dude who lived at the beach with, you know, hair down past his shoulder, riding around on a black beach cruiser with matte green wheels with a, backpack full of cash iPhones and a nine millimeter Glock. Right. So it was just, it was just gangster back then. So that, that's, that's kind of where I came from. But what, what happened over time is they were, they, they had buyers that they would send over here and they would just meet people off Craigslist and they were doing these things, but they started to threaten the people that were doing it like me. So the small time guys. And so one of the guys that actually sold cell phones to me, he got snatched up one time and they like the story he told me, I didn't see him for months. And uh, when he came back and he finally, you know, I, I, heard, I talked to him again, he was like, yeah, they, uh, they snatched me up. They, um, he, like, he spoke Spanish. And if I remember right, I can't remember the details of the story, but they were somewhere and he spoke Spanish and here he heard one of the guys say to him, take him to the ATM. If he can't pull out $2,000, take him down to the river and, and cut his head off or kill him or something. I can't remember what he said, but I was like, you know what? <laughs> like time to go. That's, that's, that's not really a battle I wanted to, uh, to fight. So I don't really have the capability to get into cartel battles. And it, so it just seemed like a good time. So we had another opportunity at the time. My, my wife, she worked for a, a medical weight loss supply company in San Diego uh, that was all over California. She had been flying from center to center, um, kind of getting all these, all these facilities on the same page and writing their operating procedures and operating manuals and doing their operations. And so she, um, we decided we were taught, we were in talks with the franchising, uh, organization and they're based out of Pennsylvania. So we were actually approved to develop the area of Western Pennsylvania, AKA Pittsburgh and the surrounding markets, uh, for this medical supply company. Um, we came to Youngstown, we were crashing with our mom for like a month. We were supposed to be here for a month before we found a place in Pittsburgh. Nathan sees an empty house, starts asking questions everything starts to change. And so that's, that's, that's the short story of how we got to the Northeast from San Diego and what, how we ended up staying in this market. Now we don't, we don't plan on staying here long-term. We've got plenty, plenty of aspirations, you know, above and beyond this, like we're looking for where we want to go in Florida right now, but you know, strike while the iron's hot opportunity is everywhere. Diamonds in your own backyard, right? That's awesome, man. So the intention for real estate wasn't really what you were looking to do when you went out to Ohio initially. Not at all. Not wow. one bit. I did. I hadn't even looked. I didn't even looked at it. That's crazy. So it's funny because when we um a lot of the networking events I've done over years, me and uh, some of my partners would talk to people, 
and they talk about all the stuff they've done because like you said i think most of us that are into real estate now or people that are just entrepreneurs it's it's not the first thing you've tried you have some no. sort of background of like selling knives slinging cell phones selling weed something so 100 percent and we've always like told people because they'd be bummed out. They'd be like, man, I made money doing this and I made a little money doing this. And we'd always say, man, you have it. You just have the wrong product. You got to sling what you were slinging, but just do it with the houses. And I, I feel like it's just been in your blood. So you were slinging cell phones. Now you're slinging real estate, but same principle, same worth ethic, same, same everything. You know what I mean? It's just a little bit of a different product. Just the hustle. That's all it is, man. If you got the hustle, you can sell anything. You just got to learn it. You got to be smart enough to learn about it. Yeah. The Wolves of Youngstown, man. It doesn't matter what it is. You're going to sell it. <laughs> all, all, all product sales is is margins and like what, what I learned from cell phones is the margins in that very small item I could make $90 off something that was this big I could I could, I could have $10,000 in profit sitting in a small uh, stack on my desk that taught me something about margins now moving get, getting into real estate and then having to deal with a house to make $10,000 that, that's a completely backwards mentality of what I just said but it is where I ended up. <laughs> but it's just margins. That's all it is. So I'm, I'm always interested too, because I come across a lot of people. One of them wants to get into real estate. The other one wants to tell them, don't do that. It's scary. It's nuts. It's so risky. Go get a job. Go back to doing something safe. And I always tell people how rare it is to have somebody that has a supportive spouse or a supportive business partner right off the bat. So was this something that your wife did with you right off from the beginning and was supportive of? Like, how did this really, how did the whole thing with real estate come about? Was it scary getting into your first deal? Was there some doubt jumping in? Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, like, the only reason this was possible is because, like, when I was in the cell phone business, there, there was a couple years where, I mean, we were making cash hand over fist. And this, this, is not, this is not taxable income either. This was straight cash, homie. And so that, di that died out. And, like, when I, when I came up here, I tried to continue the cell phone thing, but it just wasn't the same. The market was different. The buyers were different. Uh, there was just a lot of things that had shifted in the industry. And so we, we were past what we call the wild west back then, because that was definitely the wild west. I, I was literally a gun toting cell phone broker. Um, so yeah, so when we got here, I was still hustling cell phones, making small amounts of money. It, it, it was, it was just a hustle to keep us afloat, but she, she got a job here in, in, uh, in healthcare which she kept for a couple years, but it was just, you know, and that's, that's what kept the insurance floating. So she was the bridge that allowed us to finally get to this. So, I mean, without her, honestly, none of this, none of this would have happened. We probably would have went belly up in a different way years ago. Um, saying that out loud, I wouldn't have gone belly up. Cause like, I just, I, I know how to stay afloat. It, life just would have felt different, you know, like maybe, maybe the car didn't look the same. Maybe the house didn't look the same, but I would have looked the same in a way. Um, I might just have a hole in my sweater right here, you know? <laughs> so yeah, so she was, you know, she was the one that, that allowed us to bridge that gap. And yeah, I mean, it, 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 I, I can't say that it was scary getting in because I, I mean, I've been, you know, I've been on my own since 2012, you know, like I got fired from my last job a week after I got my graduate degree uh, in 2012 and I got fired on purpose and that's a whole nother great story. <laughs> but um, Nobody cares about that. Um, Oh, I got lost. Um, yeah, so I've been on my own since 2012 and um, been in real estate now since 2015 full time. And so it was nice to be able to get through those first couple years because this, you know, th th this is a long play. And I, I, he I heard this somewhere else recently that people that get into real estate, they're just like, you know, the goal is like, oh, you know, I want to make six figures in real estate. I want to, I want to run my own, I want to run my own time. And, you know, I just, I just want to, I want to own my own company, but they don't realize that like, there's a very, there, there's a large learning curve in real estate. And it's generally, whether you're going to be an agent or an investor, or unless you're just a kick-ass wholesaler off the rip, you know, you're looking at a two to potentially five year, you know, return until you actually start, you know, hitting in real estate because you're going to make some mistakes and you're, and if you don't lose money, you're super lucky. I've only lost money once and it was four years in and it was actually the start of last year. Um, but that was the first time I actually lost money, but I luckily enough during my first partnership got to sit on the sidelines and watch them lose a lot of money and, and, and get to learn what not to do from my first relationship. And that was probably the biggest thing that I learned out of my first partnership is how not to lose money. It, it's going to happen from time to time because that's what happens when you roll the dice. But that was, 
a nice lesson to be able to see from the, from the sideline. So I'm not sure if I completely answered the question. Yes, there's been scary steps along the way. We've made money. We've lost money a, a time or two. But, um, yeah. I Ever wanted to play the drums? While you're home, take an online drum lesson for free or get some online drum lessons for your kids so they can burn some energy while they are all cooped up. Take advantage of this special opportunity to take a free online drum lesson with one of the tri-state area's most respected and well-known drummers, Danny LaMagna. Dan has played with such bands as Suicide City, Sworn Enemy, Biohazard, Crown of Thorns, Walls of Jericho, The Real Mackenzies. He is also endorsed by DW, Sabian, Vader, and has tons of experience teaching kids, adults, and all different types of music styles, and has played in bands all around the world. Dan is giving a free lesson to see if it's a great fit for you and can give all types of great specials right now to get you guys involved. Do not wait. Go on his website, www.danlamagna.com slash lessons. That's www.danlamagna.com slash lessons, or check the show notes for this podcast, and there will be links in there as well. Again, free drum lesson with one of the most well-known drummers in the tri-state area, Dan LaMagna, www.danlamagna.com slash lessons. You will not regret it. No, it's a great answer, man. And uh, that was another thing in your initial setup that I wanted to talk about because to me, one of the things that I've had to deal with was really bad partners. And whether that's bad partners that did bad things with the money or just didn't pull their weight or said they did things and then didn't. And over the years, I've learned to really limit that. So I think it's cool that you have your wife. You know, I have my, my partner, Nicole, now, and I tell everybody, if it doesn't work out with her, I'll, I'll never have another partner again, just because it almost always has ended bad personally or professionally. And all those stories people give of so-and-so would never do that to me. And that's my, I'm like, no, every one of those stories was somebody that screwed them that they never in a million years thought they would have screwed them. So yeah. uh, that was really a big learning lesson for me, but you know, in the, in the small picture at that time, I was really upset about it and it was really stressful and there was private money that it's on me to pay back now. And I, I just wanted to do the right thing, but long-term it forced me to dive in and take control of a lot of these properties and really get into a lot of these deals and find ways to get creative and force me to wholesale other properties so I could pay back these other loans that the other people bailed on. So, you know, big picture, it was a good thing because it definitely made me a, a stronger person, a better investor, a more creative investor, but there was definitely some times in there that I wanted to strangle people. So um, touching on that as well, I also was part of a business for a long time that I had the same luxury you did that not necessarily the real estate part, because I feel like, you know, 14, 15 years now I've, I've seen enough, like I've taken the lumps, I know what not to do, but on the business side and just structure and employees and, and expenses and all those things, I watched the guy just lose millions and millions and millions of dollars and just make bad decisions and listen to the wrong people and I just sat there like quietly and I was like, man, the, I'm literally getting a multi-million dollar business education on knowing what not to do. And, and that's a really big thing that I think most people don't look for is I, I really don't want to hear about all the wins. I've seen yeah. the TV shows. I've seen the fake food posts. Everybody posts their highlights. It's the stuff that you don't hear about. That, and like that to me is the most valuable stuff of knowing what am I not seeing? What do I need to look out for? It's like, you know, I, I'm big into like boxing, MMA, all that kind of stuff. It's always the thing you don't see, the thing you're not looking for. It's not the thing that everybody knows. So, you know, again, I think that that was probably a priceless thing for you to be able to sit there and ride shotgun on somebody else and learn yeah. how much money is. Yeah, two, th two things before we move off this point. I wanted to say something about the partnership thing. Like, there's a guy in another market that's in a, that's in a group that I'm in right now who kind of wants to partner up on some things. And um, he, he sees what I'm doing in my business. And he, he's very smart with what he does. He's already making money in the wholesale space. but like. I just, I just see where he's at in his business. And I know that I can just kind of give him a steroid injection with just some very simple things, you know, for, for something that's going to make sense for me too, because like, I'm, I'm just, I'm past the point of giving, giving things away completely for free these days, because, you know, it's taken me five years of hard knocks to learn this stuff myself. So anyway, so we were talking like two weeks ago and he was just like, yeah, you know, I, I think we should just get this thing going, see how it goes. We'll go on a handshake deal. And I was just like, Hey man, no. I was like, well, I was like, what we're going to do is like, we're going to plan the divorce first. I was like, you got to go all the, you got to go all the way to the end because at some point, whether it's one year, five years down the road, 
one of us or both of us is not going to provide the other one value anymore. And then somebody's not going to want to pay. So we need to see that point now and we need to come up with what that looks like, whether it's a buyout or whether it's just a separation or, you know, whatever we see it going, but it needs to be figured out now. And, you know, I, I don't think he fully understood that at first, but it's just you being in bad partnerships, like you got to plan the divorce first because that's the only way to save their relationship. Otherwise you're choking each other at the end for money and everybody's fighting. It's the only way you got to plan it first. Dude, that's so smart. That's so smart. I love that. You're absolutely right. hundred percent. It's not a matter of if it's a matter of when. And plan well, absolutely. You're not going to the grave. You're, I mean, 99% unless you guys create some type of just multi-million dollar, just generational company, all, everything that we've done, I don't think I've done the same thing for more than six to, months to a year in my eight years of entrepreneurship. We're always adjusting. We're always shifting. We're learning and we're moving on to that next higher dollar opportunity because that's what we do. Like, I'm not going to be satisfied making 300,000 bucks a year. Like I'm, I've learned how to do that. Now it's time to figure out how to make a million. And that's like literally the steps that we're on right now. We figured out this part. Now it's time, time to get to seven figures. You know, it's just, I'm not going to stay in the same place. I get bored. I love that, man. And you're hundred percent right. That's, that's how you're always leveling up. So I'm always looking for new mentors, being around better people. That's why I, again, I found Tim the same way you did. So I think you were actually at maybe the, the video that I saw. So I saw him at the Cavs game. And he was yeah. people there and I wrote to him and I was like, dude, what are you, what are you doing? What is this thing? And he, and he told me, Hey, you know what? I think we're going to start this commercial empire. And I was like, all right, let me know. So that's how I went up with the first one. But that was the mastermind where he told me to quit my company. That was yeah. it. <laughs> and you told me that you were like, dude, have you ever sat in a circle and had somebody just like pick your business apart bare and just shit talk you? And I was like, Oh, no, my God, it's awesome. <laughs> I was like, Man. It was so hard, dude. It was just like, I, I just felt like everything that I've been doing over the past three years, like, like you, you can see through entrepreneurs bullshit because like we, we, we all have this front that we tell the average man or woman, right? Like, like everything's going great. We're doing this, we're doing this, but as business to business owner, you can say those same things to me, but I know the questions to ask, you know, the questions to ask me and we, and we can pick each other apart because we know the secrets. The, the average person, they don't know this bullshit, but like that, that's why, that's why those things are so important in making those key relationships with other people is they will actually give you the feedback that's necessary, not what you want. Yeah, man. And segueing on that, one of the one of the people that I was like instantly just drawn to was Mark Evans. So yeah. I met him, I think I met him at one of Tim's events and he was so cool. So I had just really started getting the podcast out there. And I remember he got up there and he was just so different with I'm used to speakers being so, you know, puppy dogs and rain and you got to be nice to everybody and some guy has something like I'm, I'm gonna butcher it a little bit but it was something along the lines of like hey I have this great assistant or worker or something that I want to hire but I don't want to spend the 30 grand to put them on payroll and he was like are they good at their job and he was like yeah he's like are they gonna bring value to your business he was like yeah and he was like what's their background he got all the information he's like well what are their names tell me how to find them and they told him and he's like all right he's like if you don't hire them by Friday I'm going to hire them on Monday. Like, like, yeah. Dude, he's different, man. He's different. Yeah, he just, I like how he just calls out bullshit. He doesn't really sugarcoat anything. Um, you know, and he was, he was part of the reason that I actually hired my first assistant because he was talking to me about how, you know, he's the king of delegating. He's like, man, if I could find a way to delegate going to the bathroom every day, I would do that shit. So <laughs> I like how he's, uh, you know, bigger on thinking big. I went out to his event in Columbus. You just went recently to West Palm, but I'm actually yeah. really happy that you got on this because I think I messaged you when you were out there and yeah. I was like, let me know what's going on. Cause I wasn't able to make what he was doing, but I know uh, Jonah was at that same thing. And I saw you after yep. you guys are doing uh, the weekly rhythm register, the 75 hard. And it looks like you, I think you actually posted, which I, I like giving yourself the accountability of, Hey man, I just committed to some new goals. I'm going to turn my business up. And I've seen, you've been a lot more active on your Facebook group. You've been a lot more um, open with the stuff on your Facebook posts and all that kind of stuff. So uh, talk to me a little bit about you just mentoring, um, that kind of thing, just growing and, and, and relationships, because I find two type of people. I find the type of people that get it. They go, I understand. I'm always going to be looking for new relationships. I'm always going to be looking for better people. You know, again, I, I look for the things I know. And for me, it's jujitsu. And, you know, I go all over the country and I try and find, like, the second I find out I'm going to some city, I'll try and find out who the baddest dude is in that city. And then I'll try and find out who trained that person. 
And I'd be like, I love that. The guy who trained the baddest guy in that city, and I'll pay whatever I need to pay to get an hour with him just to learn, because he's going to save me a year of getting beat up and bumped noses and messed up joints and stuff like that. But then you have a guy like Matt Serra. So like Matt Serra could literally walk in after eating a big bowl of pasta and beat up every single one of his black belts with no effort at all. <laughs> but then he's got to go somewhere. So he'll go to Henzo Gracie's. And I'm sure when he rolls with Henzo Gracie, it's, you know, and then Henzo goes and rolls with another guy. It's always about leveling up. And, and I feel like the second you think you're the biggest shark in the tank or the baddest dude or the smartest investor, that's when you start to get passed by. So I'll never stop trying to find guys like Mark Evans and the guys who taught Mark Evans. And, you know, I find Tim Bratz and Tim Bratz goes, this is the guy that got me to where I am. So it's like, let me exactly. find that. So that, that just excites me that there's that food chain and it never ends. So there's the people like you and me that are always going to be looking to better ourselves and surround ourselves with bigger players and people that are going to help us up our game and hold us more accountable. And then there's the other people who think that, oh, that's a bunch of bullshit. You're just trying to get me to pay for more stuff. But I know what I've gotten from that. You know what you've gotten from that. So um, again, long question, but talk a little bit about, um, you know, mentorships and leveling up and how that's helped you and your business and your personal and professional growth. Yeah. So just, I mean, kind of segueing off what you said, like, I mean, I, 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 I'm an open book and like, I'm not, I'm not doing anything new. Like, I don't think I'm doing one thing new. Like everything has already been laid out at this day and age. Like there's no new movie ideas. Like, I mean, everything is, is, it's all the same, right? It's all already been done. So all you have to do is find somebody who's blazed a trail that you want to go down and just copy it or pay them to do it. And like you say, you, you, you pay the guy that trains the baddest guy in town to show you the tricks. And that's the best thing to do. Spend a couple extra thousand bucks and skip a year of, you know, trying to watch YouTube videos. Like it, there's so much power in spending a couple bucks on paid mentorships and paid relationships. And before I move on with, with answering the rest of this question, I've been, I've, been, I've been to two of Mark's events this year. I went at the end of January and I just went last week, which was like the middle of March. And I joined his group called the, the DMA Alliance. It's the Dealmaker Alliance. And so basically what they're, um, oh, I want to tell the story first. And this, this story is the power of Craigslist. I was down there and Mark said when he was, there was only about 20 of us down there, maybe less this time. But he told me that him and Tim met on Craigslist. <laughs> How for like, I, like, I'm assuming that's true because he said it, but I mean, if that is, Hopefully in the I, business mission, not the personal, I, that's exactly <laughs> what he said. He was like, you know, men, see men seeking men, whatever. But, um, that just tells me the power of Craigslist right there. Like, you know, if, if those, if those two freaking powerhouses meet on Craigslist, like, and I, I spend 10 years, you know, having my people put out Craigslist posts and you meet one person like that to make a relationship that tells me that Craigslist is powerful. I, th I think um, I think Tim, Tim had some posts out there. I th it was something about like I love long walks to the bank or something, and uh, Mark, Mark replied to it. But anyway, so I, th I thought that was cool. I was just like, oh my god, these two people that I look up to incredibly found each other on Craigslist, and you know, li like you, I found Tim first, you know, and went through his commercial empire and the mentor or the 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 mastermind before that. And then I heard, you know, I met Mark at one of Tim's events. And then I started hearing that, you know, Stephen Todd Morris and Tim and a couple other people that I knew that were, that were serious players now already were involved in his masterminds as well. I was like, shit, I got to get down there and see what's going on and um, just, just find out some more. So that, so that's how I ended up in this DMA Alliance. And so this is a group of people. So th this is where hometown fixture upper is going this year. And this is a group of people who are building strictly wholesale businesses only because I've done a lot in this business. I've done turnkey, I've done property management, I've done flips, I've done wholesales. And what I decided, even, even a year ago, I decided, I was like, we need to wholesale more. This is, this is, this is the fastest way to make money in this business. And like Mark has, Mark has a, um, you're about to hear some dogs for a minute, but Mark has a comment that, that I love. He's like, I'm in it for the fast nickel, not the slow dime. And I, I'm just, I'm trying to buy in on that mentality like crazy because that's what wholesale is. And so like I did like eight flips last year. My wife sold like 19 deals as a realtor. We'll be closing our eighth deal of the year this year, which isn't a, a bunch. I'm still a small time guy, but you know, we're, 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 we're literally going to quadruple our business from last year you know, just from the guidance that I have from the DMA Alliance. And so the best part about this business is, like I said, like the trail has been blazed, the path is there, 
but you don't know if you're lost in the jungle beside it. So, I mean, w- once you found the trail, you know, no matter what the toll is, pay it and run. You know, that, that, that's, that's why I get up at three o'clock in the morning. I can't sleep anymore. Like, because I have so much work ahead of me. Like, you know, entrepreneurship, it's a, ve- it's a very lonely road. You're, you're by yourself most of the time and you have to figure out every move that's next. Like, not only do you have to figure out, you know, what the move is, but then you have to figure out how to do it, right? And so this group of people that I'm in now, you know, there's like, I think there's like 15 of us. Um, it's people that are behind me and it's people that are in front of me. So I'm, I'm very happy being in the middle of, you know, 15 successful people because, you know, that, that whole, you know, average of your five best friends, right? Like, you know, everybody in this group is a five figure a month earner, like hands down. Like, I don't think you can be in this group without being a five figure a month earner. And so the cool thing is, is like, you know, I, I see business building as a ladder. Like, you know, when, when, when you're in corporate America, you hear people talking about climbing the ladder, right? Like, oh, I'm just trying to get up, get up to the top of the corporate ladder, whatever. Well, in this business, there is no ladder until you build it. You have to build your own ladder rung by rung. And so like, that's, that's what this, that's why this is so cool because like, I've been a solopreneur. Oh, there's my attorney. Um, I've been a solopreneur for so long that I, I, I was, I was just wearing every hat doing everything it needs done from my own Craigslist posts to my own email responses to all my own marketing. And this group has forced me to start, you know, making the rungs of my ladder, you know, so now I've, now I've, now I've hired out for marketing. Now I can step up to hiring my full-time Filipino virtual assistant who works on my old laptop right next to me. And I can see him work all day because he logs into this computer over here. So I can literally just shoot a message on Facebook and make quick little adjustments. And I'm loving that. And, you know, we, we hired a, finally hired a bookkeeper. And it was just like, I, I see it now as like a ladder that, that, that we're climbing. And, and the more rungs that I can make, the higher I can go, the higher I can go and the further I can see. And, you know, you can't see the forest for the trees. Right. And so that's just, that, that's kind of, that's kind of the, I, I love like, you know, pictures and like, you know, like the, I'm kind of a visual guy. And so I've just, I've, I've got this picture of me just like, you know, building a ladder to climb the top of the forest, you know? And that's just, that's just what I keep in my head. But this, this group has helped me in so many ways. And, you know, the 70, I know you mentioned the 75 hard thing that, that top down came from Mark and has spread into Mark's network like crazy because like when he has an idea, like one of his biggest things is like one to many. So whenever you do something, you know, the one thing that you do, try to get, try to have it go to as many people as possible, which is why I'm loud on social. Because every time I'm loud on social, my one message is going to many people. And there's one point of that. It's not for likes. It's not so I feel like I'm some successful Facebook entrepreneur. It's because deal flow starts flowing back my way. And I did a live video. Mark made fun of me because I did a shirtless video the day before the event when I was on the (laughs) beach. But some guy triple tapped me. I'm sitting there trying to, I just did like a five mile run with like a workout and stuff. And I, I was trying to take a nap on the beach and get my pink ass to tan because I'm in Florida and I live in Ohio. And, um, you know, this guy triple taps me and I finally answer and I'm just like, what? And it, it, it's a dude that wanted me to wholesale one of the deals. And so, you know, that was just a quick five off the rip right there. And it was just from getting loud on social media. And so, you know, the, these, these paid men- mentorships, some people think it's scammy. Some people, I, I don't give a shit what those people think. Like it's made all the difference in the world to me. It's obviously made all the difference in the world to you because you see the value of learning from the top guy or the guy that trained the top guy because it's just, it, it's like injecting rocket fuel into whatever you're doing. You can just get there so much faster. And we, I mean, time is the only thing that we can't get back. So money, you, you can get more money back. You can't get time back. I get a lot of questions from people on uh, wanting to pick my brain, wanting to ask me about what I do, how do I do it, all kinds of things across the spectrum. One of the things I try and answer back with is there's a few different ways that we can work together. People can either um, participate by being a buyer, being a seller, or being a partner, and that's really the best way to learn. So if people have questions that have reached out to me, the best thing to do is jump on www.nicknicknick.com. And you can schedule a consultation if you're looking to sell properties, buy part properties, partner on some deals, or just get a general consultation to see where we can even fit in and where we can do business together on any level. 
there's options for that to set some stuff up. So please visit www.nicknicknick.com to buy, to sell, or to partner on real estate deals or opportunities. That is the place to go. That is the best way to start making money and learning the process. Yeah, man. I, I think it's awesome. And I, I looked at a picture. I think Dolmar posted a picture, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago. And it was from Lee Carney's first event. And he had all these like young, fresh faces in it from three years ago. And like right in the front row was a very toned down Rafael Vargas. And there was a couple of other like <laughs> in there. And he was like, man, look what these guys are doing a few years later. And yeah. that was one of the things like I met Lee, Lee did like a three minute thing at Tim's thing. And I ran after him and I was like, whatever you do, I need to learn that. Just tell me who to give a credit card to. And then when I heard that he was investing before the market shifted and like listening to how smart he was and how careful he was about not losing everything again. And he knocked out like 135 deals in a month. I was like, I just want Jesus. to be that guy and you're that guy. So it's interesting because the, the next thing I was going to start to ask about was how you're adjusting your business model depending on where the market is. And I, I think it's very obviously timely now because everybody's freaking out with the coronavirus and they think now that the world's going to go to hell and the economy's going to be, I mean, and who knows, but I'm watching a lot of people give their opinions on Facebook that really don't have much of a background. A lot of them were not investing before when the market turned. So I don't know where they think they have any experience with it. So I'm trying to really listen to people like Lee and that have been around for multiple decades through multiple recessions have already seen the way that those cycles have, because I have, and I, and I remember getting caught in that last time, but last time it was caused by, by lending and real estate. Now it's caused by, you know, fear and obviously the coronavirus, but Lee did a thing yesterday where he jumped out and he was like, look, I'm a big believer in, in times of uncertainty, focus on wholesaling, get in, get out. Don't get into these big flips. Don't get caught up. Like there's always a way to make money. But if you want to really keep your finger and your pulse on what's happening with values in your market, what's happening with data on the market, the best way to gauge that with no risk is through wholesaling. So like where 100%. are the buyers going to go? How are the buyers going to change? Where are the margins going to change? So I struggle with that a lot because like you said, I've done a lot of different things in real estate. I've done small wholesales where they've made 1500 bucks and I've done big wholesales where I made 150 on one deal, but I'm always going, well, all right, well this week I want to focus on wholesaling. That's all I want to do. Just I'm going to be a sick wholesaler. And then I watch Tim and I'd be like, but I really want another hundred unit apartment building. And I'm like, yeah. And so I'm always trying to go back and forth, but I'm really trying to focus now for the next three to six months, especially with what's happening, especially hearing smart guys like Lee on focusing just on wholesaling. So what, what was it that made you want to focus strictly on wholesaling, which I think is a very smart thing to do, obviously coming from very smart people. Are you adjusting your business model at all because of what's happening in the market? What are your thoughts and, and opinions or fears or anything? Um, are you seeing any changes because of the coronavirus? Because I'm watching people post, oh my God, my business is tanking. And then I'll see 900 people that actually know what they're doing, calling that guy out like, no, our, our things are still closing. Maybe the title company is delayed a day or two. Maybe the lender is a day or two off, but we're still getting multiple offers on our properties. Our lenders are still happy. We're still getting showing. So what are you seeing? What are you feeling? What are you doing for this crazy coronavirus change? All right, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna answer all the questions that you put in there because I was uh, luckily resourceful enough to write down all my ideas. But um, number one, all these people that are now fucking medical corona experts three weeks ago were stock experts, and so none of these people have any flack in the game. All they're doing is reposting the fake news, which they half the time they probably don't even read the article behind it or check the source. So number two, fuck those people. They're just idiots and they're just fear mongers. So wholesale, dude, wholesale is recession proof. Like, like, like you said, there's no risk in it. Like you don't have any skin in the game. And what I'm seeing is the cool, the cool thing about the DMA, the DMA, the, uh, the dealmaker Alliance, Mark Evans group that we're all in. Um, I get like, we're, we're in this huge feedback loop. And so we're talking about this every day. Like at, at, at 8.30 in the morning, I have a half hour meeting with my uh, virtual assistant and I get him going for the day. At 9 a.m., I have another half hour meeting with everybody in the DMA and we're talking about what's going on. Like I'm in, a more, I, I'm in more of a buy and hold market. Like I don't really deal with a lot of flips. So most of the stuff that I move is rental property and multifamily units. So flipping is not, flipping is not super sexy in my market. It happens all the time but I usually just do a quick wholetail on those. But the, the feedback that we're getting nationwide because I'm talking to everybody else in the major markets about it, Orlando, Dallas, Detroit, oh, well, Detroit's like, Detroit's like my market, but uh, up in New England and we're all talking about it and, and buyers are slowing down, flippers. Like, 
everyone has put the brakes on right now because I think we're all expecting that that slide, that market correction that we all know is coming because everything is inflated right now. And we've all been riding that wave and I think that wave is about to hit the beach. And so the, I do believe that this is going to cause the correction because it's just going to, I think, I think it's going to bring those prices down. But anyway, like, again, wholesale, if you do it right, it's going to be recession proof because even though a lot of flippers are slowing down, a lot of people are going to speed up. So a lot of people might like, they might, they might be pulling their money out of the stock market and they're what they want to put it in something more solid like real estate. And so like, you just need to, you just need to cater your conversation to your buyer and you need to know how to extract their motivation for buying. So are they flippers? Because the flippers, you're probably like, th those are not the long-term wealth guys. Those are the guys who work for a living flipping houses. That's, that, that's their job. You know, the, uh, the buy and hold guys, they're not so much flippers. These, the buy and hold guys usually have contractors. They're not the contractor. So you need to know your buyers a little bit better. I think it's a great time to do a little trick that I learned from um, my buddy who owns the mortgage brokerage. He said, there's 52 weeks in the year, there's 26 letters in the alphabet. So if you actively manage a buyer's list, you know, one letter per week, call your buyer's list. It's going to take you six months to get all the way through your buyer's list. And that way you're touching everybody twice a year. I'd recommend probably like doubling, you know, like significantly doubling down on that right now because you really want to get the feel for the market, get some feedback on who's doing what. But there's going to be people buying heavy right now and there's going to be people pulling back heavy right now. So you need to, like if you're wholesaling, you need to find the heavy buyers. Um, now, wholesaling is a business. You need, to, you need to understand what it is. Like it is a job just like flipping, but it's a cash machine. It's, it, it, it's I mean, it's just, it's just a quick ATM to just, you know, keep putting marketing dollars in and just keep pulling wholesale fees out. And so you, you got, you got to keep working it. And the best thing that you can do, like you're, you're always going to, you're always going to have a level of diminishing returns on your marketing dollars. And so let's just say that I'm spending $2,500 a month right now on marketing and we're bringing in, you know, $30,000 a month in profit. You know, if I spend $10,000 on marketing a month, I would expect to see $120,000 a month in profit. But wholesales don't always work like that because like it's going to be the level of systems, the amount of real estate that you can move, the amount of emails that you can send out, the amount, the amount of phone calls that you can do. So like your marketing dollars have a level of diminishing return. So you need to understand like when maybe you've hit that in your market and then maybe when you need to make an extra hire or maybe shift over to another market and just duplicate the same business structure that you've done in your market, which is what I'm looking at right now. Like I know that my market can produce uh, $100,000 a month in wholesale fees. I'm working as fast as I can to get there. And I should be there, I believe, within nine to 12 months, maybe a little bit sooner. And then I'm going to duplicate that model into the next market. And all that looks like for me is adding on one acquisitions guy and one dispositions guy and a runner in that market. It's not, it's not rebuilding a whole new business. It's just adding a few extra pieces into my current wholesale business to bring in a, a, a new market. And so one of the things that I like to do <clears throat> I don't like to play in the major markets because I'm in a very, very, you know, I'm not even in a secondary market. I, I think you call those uh, tertiary, third area. I don't know, something like that. I just made that word up for sure. Um, <laughs> I like to play in those markets where I know the competition is significantly less. Like, I'm sorry, like, I know you've heard this before, but I like the elf model, whatever's easy, lucrative and fun. I'm all in. And so that, that's, that's where I see the low hanging fruit for me. I can just hop over 30 miles to my next market, you know, wash it, rinse, repeat, and turn that into a six figure a month market as well. Um, it sounds so simple when you say it like that, there's a lot of work involved like that. That's why I get up between one and three every morning. But um, anyway, so wholesale, it, it's a cash business. And, you know, because you're a shiny spoon guy like me, like what, what, what our problem is, is we're good at making money. And when you're good at making money, you see opportunity everywhere. That's why, that's why everything is shiny. And that's why you chase those things. Cause you're like, Oh dude, I can totally make money in apartments. I can totally do this. But what, what Mark and the DM Alliance has helped me really do is just laser in on what each business really is, how to use it and how to leverage up. And so if you, you know, if, if you're really, if you're really dialing down on wholesaling, that's just to make cash. Now use that cash to roll that in apartments. Don't make, you know, it, you know, if, if you're making 50 to a hundred thousand dollars a month wholesaling, don't stop that to go do some big apartment deal 
but continue to do that and then hire the right people, bring in the right strategic partnerships to handle the partners, uh, to, to handle the apartment deals. Because like somebody's, somebody's going to be better than you. Somebody's going to be better than me at doing these apartment deals. You know, whether it's your operator, your property management company, your, your uh, project manager, your project coordinator, wh whatever all these different pieces look like, somebody's going to be better than you and you can pay them for their time. Even if you're paying them $40,000 a year, you know how these refi goes on these 200 units. You can walk away with, you know, seven figures of tax-free dollars on the refi. But if you, you know, average that out and yeah, there, there was, you know, there was a million dollars to split up between five people over 12 months of work for you. Is that more than you were making in your wholesaling business? You know, so like, so, so you have to know the numbers in your business. You have to know how your business works and what the point of it is, but figure out how to leverage those dollars up. So that's exactly what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm, I'm going to build this wholesale business strong. I'm going to reinvest the money into apartment buildings and I'm going to put operators in the right place. And all the, all of this of course sounds so easy because I've heard so many smart people say it. I don't make this shit up. I just repeat it and just do my best to remember it. And that's, that's it, man. So just pay for the people who do this and just write it down. <laughs> well, look at, I mean, you say that to somebody on the beach or somebody that you're just talking to on your every day and they're, they're going to look at you like, well, that's crazy. It's a pipe dream. It sounds like a lot. It's probably not even possible. But when you look at the people you're around, I think the reason you, you know that blueprint is because you're literally surrounded by people that we know that are mutual friends of ours that have taken that path and done that in the last 12 to 24 months. I and they're dumb like me. Every day, you know, and like the, you know, going back to that first commercial empire, it was me, you, Corey Kendig, uh, Lee Kearney was there, Tim was there, Steve Morris. I remember I was talking to him and he was like, dude, I'm in the same office as Tim. We're starting to do some deals together. And now he runs his whole group and he's got all the, like just watching what people did by saying, hey, that guy did it. If that guy did it, I'm just going to do exactly what he did. And it works. And look at how far almost everybody in that room who stayed in touch is doing that. I think it's awesome. Yeah. You know, again, getting to know people, uh, I, I'm, I, I, like you said, the elf principle for me, it's gotta be fun too. And I met a lot of really cool, fun people from it. Like how many people go, well, this guy makes millions of dollars, but he was also doing shoeies on Facebook and trying to outrun it. <laughs> so it's cool watching and like that we all get together. And again, you're working your ass off. So when people see you a year from now where they see that you're out there having fun, it's like, well, yeah, like he gets to, to joke around, but he didn't do this overnight. He's getting up hours before everybody else has to work his ass off to get there. And really at the end of the day, that's what it takes. You know, go, going back to Ray Longo, I remember uh, a couple of my, my buddies that are in UFC went to some of the trainings that I was doing at the time. And he came back and he's like, man, people pay all this money to come learn how to do real estate. He's like, it's just me and you here. What's the trick? Like, what's the secret? I was like, man, there is none. It's just, you know, listening, following the system, keeping yourselves accountable and showing up every day. And he's a guy who coaches fighters. And he's like, it's just like this. People walk in and they go, how do I become a UFC champion? It's like, show up every day, work your ass off. There, there's no yeah. sauce there. That, that's all it is. And everybody, well, it can't just be that. I want in there. They go bounce around all these things looking for the secret, but that's it, man. You got to get up. You got to keep yourself accountable. I like, like you said too, about getting up every morning and talking to people that are on the same mission as you just to keep your head in the game every day. And yep. you know, that, that support and that accountability, I think is huge. So I definitely want to talk about too, how are you using your, your Facebook group? So you also have uh, the real estate mafia. So talk about how people can find you. Um, if there's people listening to this and they go, man, I want to buy some properties from you, or I want to maybe give you some money to do some of your hotels, or, you know, maybe I have properties I can sell to you or just how do they work with you? How do they find you? And then talk a little bit about your group as well. Yeah, sure. So I run a group on Facebook. It, you know, it, it start, it's called Mafioso Real Estate, M-A-F-I-O-S-O, -O, uh, Mafioso. It's, it's kind of play because this, this, this is an old organized crime town. So we're halfway in between Cleveland and Pittsburgh. And apparently a lot of the old mafia guys used to like, used to hang here because they would do their dirt in the city, but this was kind of like their hideaway from other places. And so I don't, I, 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 you can watch plenty of like old mafia videos about you know, on, on Youngstown and stuff. And it, it, they're on YouTube. And it, it's pretty interesting stuff. But all of that pretty much died out like back in the 70s, like somebody bombed car bombed a judge, and then they just put the kibosh on everything like it was over at that moment. Um, and so that, that's what that's what mafioso is about. And so basically, it was just, I started it because I wanted to bring all the wholesalers in the area together. Because 
nobody is doing like in, in my market, nobody is really doing anything to a really high level. You know, we're all just, you know, we're all just kind of doing a deal here and there. It's very affordable to live here. You know, like the, the house that I'm sitting in right now, you know, I, I paid a hundred thousand dollars for it. I bought it off market at a discount, of course. Uh, you know, it's worth more than that, but this same, this same house, you know, the beach where I live in San Diego, this is a $1.1 million house. It's, you know, it's, it's 10 X the value over there. So if I can figure out how to put this thing on a trailer and, uh, and drop it in Pacific beach, San Diego, like I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll do a live video in mafioso about it. But, um, I wanted to bring the wholesalers together because I wanted to number one, make money by helping them sell their deals. And like one, one of, one of the guys that's in the group with me, you know, when he was really rocking and rolling in Orlando, he was like, dude, we used to make 20, 30 extra G's a month just selling other people's deals. So you don't even have to worry about doing the acquisitions, the negotiating side. All you got to do is slam it out to your buyer's list. And so if you're really good at building a buyer's list, you can make an extra, you know, five figures a month, whatever it looks like for you, just selling other people's deals. And so, you know, I would like to kind of step up in my area, which I, you know, I feel like I'm pretty much on the way of being, you know, the top wholesale guy in the area. And I don't think it's going to be that hard. And I might as we sit here be that guy already. Um, I haven't really taken the time to think about it, but, um, that's what mafioso was about. And so like, I was kind of, I was kind of nervous about it because I basically did model it right off of, uh, Stephen Todd Morris's bulletproof cartel, which I'm a member of in Cleveland. And so his, his thing is like 130 for like five bucks a month to be in there. And I've been in it for like two years. Um, and it's just, I, I get a lot of value out of that. I get a lot of content out of it. It's a cool group to be in. So I modeled it after that. But I was kind of like embarrassed about it for a little bit because I was embarrassed to get, you know, I was scared to get on social media. I was scared to do stuff like this and put yourself out there because, you know, it, it's different. And it's like it's a muscle you got to exercise. Right. And so the more I did it, I got more comfortable with it. And so what I started doing after that is just like every now and then I would go look at my friends list and I would start to invite people like, you know, like, you know, one day I invited, you know, I don't know, like Matt Larson or one day I invited you know, like Stephen Morris or some of the people from the other group. And as, as, as the group got bigger with, you know, you know, leveling up the players, I realized that it was the players that were actually interacting. It wasn't the people in my local market that were liking all my posts and giving me hearts and all that shit. It was the people that I was inviting that were the bigger players that I was nervous about inviting in the first place. And so I got this whole idea um, of the structure from Steve Morris, but I got the real idea from Mark Evans. Because I remember him saying in just some Facebook live video he did a couple years ago, in your market, if nobody has claimed the space of the local celebrity, you take that as fast as possible because deals will flow your way like crazy. That's and awesome. as soon as I did that, like people automatically started looking at me as, you know, this local guy. And I quickly became the loudest guy on Facebook. And that's exactly why I do it. I don't like being on camera. I don't, I don't. You know, I don't get stiff from doing Facebook live videos. I get deals and I make money. That's what makes me stiff, right? So that's what most mafioso was all about. And, you know, if, if anybody's interested, it's simply called mafioso real estate. There's a picture of the Godfather. Like it's a black picture with a guy holding like the whole, the whole puppet thing. Um, I'm not sure what the meaning behind that was. I just chose it off Google. I stole it. Um, it's, you know, nothing special, but if you want to join it, mafioso real estate and, um, you know, we're, I'm, I'm always interested. I, I, I don't, I don't need a ton of money in this business. Like as I sit here right now, I do need money for deals. I'm literally about to make a couple calls to get some money. But you know, if anybody does have, have private funds, they want to place, feel free to reach out on Facebook. You know, it's, it's Nathan Bibb. Um, I, I am, I am still looking for that one perfect relationship because I've got a few small ones, but I'd like to have that one perfect relationship. And I'm sure things will change with that as it grows. But if you want to talk about money, you know, I'm, I'm always down to the talk. We've got, we've got placement opportunities and stuff like that. I usually keep that pretty tight to the chest with people. Um, but yeah, I think that probably covers the mafioso thing. Oh yeah. And anyway, all the members like now, now like Mark, Mark's in there, Tim's in there. Like, I mean, everybody's in there. And I was looking at the list the other day. I think we're up to about 130 members, but when I actually did a poll, I, I think like there was either, there was somewhere between 10 and 15 members that were like seven and eight figure earners. And I was like, Holy shit, this group is like 10% millionaires. <laughs> And I was like, that is not a small percentage of like high earners. And so that was just really cool to realize, like, I kind of got out of my own way and just started 
being a little bit braver and just inviting everybody. And those are the people who have given me the most support because there's this kind of, there's this kind of undiscussed, I feel social media environment to where the people who are allowed on social media, they want the support from the other people who are allowed on social media, like Joe Evangelisti's in there as well. And I mean, there, there's some big guys in there. So I do my best to like all their stuff and share it when I can and just, just show the small supports with a like or a heart that I can. And I find that they do the same stuff for me. And when you do that for these other people, it boosts the content and it boosts the reach and it, you know, it, it, it makes a difference. And so, you know, if anybody that ends up listening to this thing out of, out of the billions of listeners that, that will, that will hear this, um, if nobody is claiming that, local celebrity space in your market hop up and do something like that real quick feel free to look at mafioso it's a free group and um just take that take that home if you guys are getting anything from the podcast and some of the great knowledge and tips that the guests are sharing please take a minute and leave a review on itunes or any of your platforms with some stars and some comments helping spread the promotion and spread some visibility for the podcast for the guests and for the knowledge so we can continue to do this. It'd only take a minute. I appreciate it if you guys could take the time. It would go a very, very long way. Again, leave a review on iTunes, start to share, start to spread the word. I really would appreciate it if you're getting anything out of this. Thank you. That's outstanding advice, man. And I like that you say you shared that stuff because again, people see you on social media. I think everybody has that insecurity. I mean, even doing these, it took me forever to, to really get the balls to do these. And I still get nervous doing them and, you know, piggybacking on the Mark Evans thing. When I saw him, I called my, my partner and I was like, man, I just heard Mark Evans. And I felt like he was talking to me, like all the stuff he was saying. And she was like, ask him to do your podcast. I was like, he's not going to do my shitty podcast. Like the hell out of here. And re- literally he walks by and I stopped and I was like, oh, hey, my name is Nick, you want to do my podcast? And he was like, sure. He's like, how's like tomorrow? And I was like, okay. And then like, I was like, he said he'd do it. And like, he was like, one day you're going to laugh about being nervous to ask me that. So, but again, like every episode I put out, every, everything, man, like I think everybody has an insecurity of doing it, but there's the people that get past that and they do it anyway because they see the bigger picture and they're able to reap the rewards of it. And anybody who's going to let that fear or that insecurity, that worry about what other people are going to think, you're always going to be stuck at the bottom worrying about what people think whose opinions don't really matter. So man, I think it's awesome that you're doing that. I applaud you for doing that. I will definitely take your advice and look out and share stuff and try and become the, uh, the face of my market. I think that's really great stuff, man. So I appreciate it. I appreciate all the stuff you're doing. I really appreciate you giving me your, your hour today and your quarantine time. Uh, any closing thoughts uh, for yourself, Mr. Nathan Bibb? Man, I, I feel like we covered a lot here, but you know, like we didn't really get into it too much, but one thing that I want to end on this with everybody is like, the 75 hard thing that Mark, you know, suggested that, that, that us in the group, you know, try, and there's a lot of other people doing it right now, just that, that are top down from Mark's, you know, influence umbrella, we'll call it. Um, it's, it's, it's really, it's really changed my life, man. And like, it, 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 it's a big part of why I'm, why I'm able to get up so early. And I just, um, I just read some book. I, I have, I'm looking at a stack of about 17 books that I've like, that I've, that I've picked through this year. I've read about seven or eight of them. I've got about 10 on deck. So I've been reading like crazy, but 75 hard is, you know, uh, it's two workouts a day for 45 minutes of workout. One has to be outside, which in January in Ohio, that fucking <laughs> sucks. But you know, it's, it's, you know, you have to drink a gallon of water. You have to follow a diet plan. You have to read 10 pages of a book and you can't drink. So there's, there's, there, there's no booze. And so what it's made me realize is like, it's not even about doing each of those activities. Like it's about just getting up early enough and creating the time to run your business and do all these extra things at the same time. And so it's really about a mindset thing. I've, you know, I've lost like 18 pounds while I'm on it. I got like, you know, good muscle tone and everything back. And like, I'm really happy with where I'm at and everything. But that hasn't been, it, it's been the mental clarity that has been the, the largest gain from doing 75 hard and the funny thing is about it i've been doing it for i think maybe like a month or something and i'm on day one today as we speak because i keep screwing it up <laughs> i uh like yeah like i thought when i got back from traveling that i had uh i had i had the rona but i think i was just absolutely exhausted from just going so hard for so many months all through q1 and i just hit a wall on 
on day one, I couldn't get my exercise on when I got back from vacation and I couldn't get my exercises in. So I took the day off and I just restarted. And so if, if you screw up, if you screw up one time, you're supposed to restart. And so anyway, so day, so as I'm sitting here talking about 75 hard today is day one for the, I think the fifth time. Um, but it's cool. I don't mind it. It's, it's, it's becoming a lifestyle. You know, it's not, it's not about getting to the end of the 75 days because even though I've just failed so many times at it, I've failed 18 pounds down. I've failed getting up at three, four, five o'clock in the morning. I've failed at probably only drinking alcohol five times this year. You know, like that's, that's a new level of failing for me. And so um, I just, I realized that I basically have three things that if I do these things every day, that I'm going to be the most successful and awesome version of me that I can. And that's read books, exercise, and not drink alcohol. And that's like, if I can leave that with anybody else, that's, that's, that's been some of the biggest life-changing shit I've ever been through. Dude, I think that's amazing. That's awesome. I appreciate it. That's why you, sir, are the wolf of Youngstown. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. I definitely, uh, anytime you want to get on and talk about the stuff you're doing, man, I, I, I really loved all the stuff you just shared. I'm going to rewatch it, take some notes, and I'll, I'll put the show notes of all your contact information. Anybody looking to reach out to you or get any of the links for your groups, your, your social profiles, it'll be on the show notes. Um, I'll send you a copy of it. You can let me know what you think. Anything I can do for you, Mr. Nathan Bibb? I, I think you've done it, man. This was a cool experience. You know, like I said, this is my first podcast. And so it's, you know, it's, it's fun having people listen to, you know, a, a long road and a long story. So I hope it helps somebody and maybe some things come out of it, you know? A lot, man. I thought there was a lot of value there. I think you, I think you give a lot of great content and I think you have a great presentation and you're funny and you're really fun to listen to, man. I appreciate it. I think you're a great guy. I really appreciate you talking to me for an hour. Anytime I can help you, you let me know. All right. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, man. Have a great day. Oh,